The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Bert Harper, Alex McFarlane with you today, and we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, and it only has 16 chapters, so that means we're getting close to the end of Mark, and it's been a great, great journey that we've made through it. I've gone through Mark several times, but each time I go through it, I see, oh, I didn't see that the last time, and so we hope it's been a blessing to you as it has to Alex and myself. Alex, uh, when we're in chapter 15, we're mainly looking at Jesus being beaten and then on the cross. And in Mark's gospel, we have one of the seven last sayings of Jesus when he was on the cross. And it was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We talked about that Thursday and saying the depth of that is so deep and wide. I doubt if any man can completely fathom that or even understand it, much less explain it completely. Do you agree? Oh, I would completely agree. And Bert, it's such a blessing to be with you. And everybody listening, we welcome you to another edition of Exploring the Word. And yes, we are in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. And this is a a quote from Psalm 22 in verse 33 and 34. It says, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. By the way, that is documented by secular ancient history. In addition to the Bible, there was a Roman historian uh, named Phlegon, P-H-L-E-G-O-N, Phlegon, that it was not friendly to early Christianity as far as we know, but yet the Roman historical record documents the darkness that they said extended from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. But here's even more significant than that. Uh, Verse 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, Bert, as you know, this is from Psalm 22, and I guess the theological depth and profoundness of what this represents is just simply beyond description, isn't it? It really is, and going back to Psalm 22 with David writing that, he wasn't writing that, so okay, I've got to write this down so that the Messiah Uh, When he's on the cross, he can quote me. No, it was a real feeling. If you read Psalm 22, you'll see it. But it was a real feeling at that time that David had. And sometimes, let's talk about that just in general. if If you're saved and you're a follower of Christ, he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. The Bible tells that. But there's times in our lives when we... Uh, seemingly, for whatever reasons, it can be circumstantial, it can be because of unconfessed sin, uh, it could be a lot of reasons. We do, Where are you, God? Where are you in this? But we have the guarantee he's there, don't we, even today? Yeah, we, we really do. And this relates to the incarnation, the divine and human natures of Jesus. And then sometimes uh, writers used to talk about what they would call the humiliation of Christ. Yeah. But, Bert, somehow uh, in the the atonement, the payment for our sins, the guilt of the human race was put on to the sinless Son of God. And I know this, uh, and then we'll get back to Mark 15, but the Father and the Son, fully righteous, just, holy, but merciful and grace. God himself went through the greatest of pains and effort to, without compromising his nature, but yet to show forth mercy and the offer of salvation to the human race. And it was as the sky became dark and the earth quaked and the rocks crumbled and the curtain was torn. Bert, it was almost as if the very elements themselves struggled to stay in existence as God literally moved heaven and earth to make your salvation possible. I mean, it really does um, strain our imagination to try to even grasp it. It was. And Alex, what you just said 
about Jesus, all things hold together. We don't know exactly. Colossians 1.17. Yeah. And so when you combine that with what you just said with the strain there, because a lot of things were happening during that period of time concerning God's creation. And the whole world groans until everything is set right. So, yes, uh, that darkness, I think, speaks loudly. And if you read ahead, they're going to talk about him calling on Elijah and him not coming. But and if you want to go back to that, we'll do. But I want it with that in mind, look at verse 38, what else happened during this time. Mm. Then the veil of temple was torn in two. Let me see from top to bottom. Now, That's right. not, okay. not from bottom to top. And we're talking about a pretty pretty thick material here, and we're talking about a long, uh, a very, uh, I'd say, long-hanging piece of material and torn into from top to bottom. Now, I'm going to ask you, setting you up here, why, uh-huh. why from top to bottom? Why is that so significant? Well, the plan of salvation was from God to man, wasn't it? Amen, brother. It, Bert, the first college debate I was ever in was back in the about 99, and a professor said, well, you know, Christianity, or all religion, is the story of man reaching up to God. And I said, well, I disagree. The gospel is the story of God reaching down to fallen humanity. Hallelujah, and Alex. Amen. I think it's so apropos that the, the veil which sequestered the Holy of Holies. See, there was an outer court, an inner court, the Holy of Holies. And by the way, archaeologists once found a plaque in three languages regarding the outer court coming into the inner court where only really kosher, pious Jews could go. But there was a placard discovered that said no responsibility can be taken for the probable death of any Gentiles that go beyond this point. Ooh, wow. Now— And yet, the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go, or one designated once a year could go behind this curtain to put blood on the altar, it was opened, and it, Bert, I believe it's like, uh, probably people were horrified that they could see in the area called the Holy of Holies, but it's like God was saying to the world, upon the death and resurrection of Jesus— Whosoever will may come. Amen, Alex. That is so true, and that is true today. Those of you who are listening, and we have people that listen each day. We've got people that ever so often, they'll tune in. Uh, Last weekend, not this past weekend, the weekend before that, you and I were in Paris, Tennessee, and Mm. I met a a mechanic, and he said, what I do, he said, "I I repair cars but before I leave, I get my hands clean, and I go in, and I set the radio on AFR so people can hear it at least one time when they turn the radio on. Amen. And, and I, what a ministry that guy has. And I thought, well, somebody might be listening today that they weren't expecting to listen to Exploring the Word. Two guys talking about the Word of God, and your mechanic has set you up to listen <laughs> to this. Don't blow it. Trust Christ. Turn to Him. He loves you. He cares for you. He's got a plan for you. He's got purpose and plan and promises for your life. That's pretty good three Ps, isn't it? It Purpose, plan, and promises, he really, really does. And that that is wonderful. And you know what, Bert? I, I got to say this. I just think it's, it's amazing that eternity was put on Christ. I mean, uh, all of the human sin, look, every bit of hatred, every bit of blasphemy, every bit of disobedience, even all your fears. Because you know what? Not only was our guilt before God resolved, I believe all of our pains and wounds and and uh, just the, the bruises we've endured in this fallen world. Friend, in Jesus, you've got only not only salvation, but restoration. Amen. And in six hours on the cross, the Son of God atoned. Uh, what that means is he can make you right with the Father, but he can make you healed within yourself. And it, isn't that amazing? Isn't that just wonderful? And so, friend, you know, you might be hurting and you might be afraid. Maybe maybe you're fearful about what tomorrow is going to hold or maybe you uh, don't even know how God could still love you, but he does. Bert, i got to tell one thing, though, about the intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. 
Now you think about this. From eternity past, eternity to eternity to eternity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit had enjoyed uninterrupted fellowship yeah. with, within themselves. And the Son, you think about trust. The guilt of the world would be put on to Jesus, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21, and Christ would die and be put in the grave. But the Father, remember back in the Psalms it says, uh, Thou will not suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. In other words, God the Father promised the Son, you will be resurrected. But i got to tell you this, when I was in first grade, I had to go in for surgery. I had a little growth on my wrist that made it where I couldn't bend my left hand. And so I had to go and go to the hospital in Greensboro, and I'll never forget, they were pushing me back, and this surgeon, his name was Dr. Sue, he's certainly passed on by now, Dr. Sue looked into my little six-year-old face, and he said, trust me, I've got to put you to sleep, and we're going to cut that growth out, and I'm going to sew you up, but he said, I will wake you up, I'm not going to, he said, just trust me, and I remember I trusted him, because my mom and dad told me to do this, but uh multiply that by a million, Mm. that the Son of God, who had experienced life and fellowship for eternity, uh, his goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. That's Micah 5, 2. And yet, the level of trust to say to the Father, thy will be done, I'm going to let myself be killed, but I know you'll raise me up. Now, I know Jesus is God, but Bert, at least somehow on the human level, what a level of trust. Amen, Alex. And it, it is it is beyond, uh, and Alex, this is the fourth time I think we've said this in this segment, it is beyond uh, anything that we could completely understand, that sameness but separation. I, again... But it was real, and he did it, and God the Father did it. The Holy Spirit does it so that anyone, anyone who comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ can be saved. Trust in him, knowing that you are a sinner, and you turn from your sin, you turn to Christ, and he has paid the price so that you will not have to pay the price for your sin. We would ask you, if you haven't trusted Christ, call this number. Triple eight, need him. Triple eight, need him. There's some people there who want to talk with you, who wants to share Christ with you, so your whole life could be ready for eternity. We'll be back with more right after this break. This is Pause to Pray. A chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Admiral Christopher Grady, Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is the second highest ranking officer in the United States Armed Forces and assists the Chairman with his performance of duties. Psalm 82.4 reminds us of the importance of defending our nation. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Right now with this in mind, would you pray with me? Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Admiral Grady as he works to keep our country safe. We ask this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Most people who believe in God believe He can do anything. But Dr. Tony Evans says that isn't quite the case. He'll point out some important exceptions to the rule as we spend two minutes with Tony. Did you know there's some things God can't do? He said, but I thought there's nothing God can't do. Oh, yeah, no, there are things God can't do. For example, the Bible says by two immutable things, it's impossible for God to lie. He can't lie. Another thing God can't do is he can't be contradictory to his own nature. He is always consistent with himself. God can't sin. So there's some things God can't do. But let me tell you another thing God can't do. He can't be second. The moment you put God in second place, 
you've removed him from engagement with your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God must be put in priority, but not just because you say the word, God is first in my life. That's nice religiosity. No, he must be functionally first, not philosophically first. He must be functionally first, not merely verbally first. And how do you know when God is first? Because he takes priority in your decision making. When you have to choose what you will do or won't do, he wins the choice. If he does not win the choice, he's not first, no matter how often you use his name. Learn how to stay focused on your faith, even when you're distracted by a disaster. Check out Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5.1 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. You know, there's a lyric I love. There's a great hymn of the faith called I Love to Tell the Story. And it says, I love to tell the story for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Well, that's the gospel story. Alex and Bird here. So glad you're listening to Exploring the Word. Hey, by the way, I want to give the telephone number. It's 888-589-8840. We'll get to uh, calls here in just a minute. But Bert, in Mark 15... The death of of Christ on the cross, being put in the tomb, uh, chapter 15 goes on and talks about Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, bravely went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. That's verse 43. But the thing about the gospel story, how the Lord went to the cross for us, uh, that song lyric, for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Uh, and when in scenes of glory we sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that we have loved so long. Yeah. Uh, the gospel is a precious story, isn't it? It really is. And uh, we try to share that message each and every day on Exploring the Word. We uh, we purposely do it. It's not by accident. We purposely want to make sure those who are listening realize that if they're not saved, that they can be saved. Alex, there's one thing, I, and I want you to comment on this. Here in the last chap, uh, last few verses of chapter 15, we have the centurion. Verse 39, when the mm. centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like, like this, Man was the Son of God. Truly, this man was the Son of God. This is what he said. This is his conclusion. I believe with all my heart that's his confession of faith in Christ. And then it talks about at least, we know Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. Then it tells Mary Magdalene, another Mary, Salome. And then look in verse 41. It's many other women. So there were several women there. But then you've already introduced us to Joseph of Arimathea. I do believe he was there because uh, he knew he had died, and he went to ask Pilate for the body of Christ. So you had these men who were there. I would say they was brave men. Everybody talks about the brave women. They were. They were. But it was more dangerous for the men to make known they were a follower of Christ at this time than the, than the women because the men were the ones that was noted and the women were not recognized as much. And matter of fact, I doubt if they would be listening to those women and in their conversation, but they would be listening. So I want to share with you, Centurion, begins boldly to speak that, 
and Joseph of Arimathea at this time asking for his body, uh, they I, I think they stepped up at a time when they needed to step up, don't you? Well, absolutely. And, you know, uh, we've talked a little bit about how Mark is a book of action. If you read 42 through 47, uh, you know, it says that they took courage and they came. It was, They didn't just have some courage, but they acted on it. They went to Pilate, and Pilate marveled that he was already dead. But then it, you go down there, and verse 47, a, a similar word, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mo- mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. I mean, Pilate marveled that he was dead. The women took note where he was laid. Joseph had gotten some bravery and went. And let me say this, whether it was to acknowledge that he died, acknowledge that he was buried, acknowledge that he rose, and acknowledge that he did it for each one of you. He did it for me. He did it for Bert. Listener, Jesus did all this for you. But all of these things, it's not just that we're aware of it, but we must act on it. And even to say, well, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll think about that later. Well, that's a response. I mean, it's actually amounts to a rejection. Act on it now. Uh, I know we've got to move on to chapter 16, but I just want to say this. Uh, maybe you even need to pull the car into a parking lot, a safe place, and just pray. And say, Lord, thank you for loving me. And Lord, I want you in my life. And please save me and wash my sins away. What's so amazing, Bert, in a matter of seconds, people can pray a sincere prayer, turn to Christ, and their entire eternity and destiny is changed. Isn't that a beautiful thing? (laughs) It is, and it has happened to many, many, many people, and it can happen to you. God desires. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to him by repentance and faith in him. So we're praying you will have done that today. And again, if you need someone to talk to, you've heard Alex, you've heard me, but you say, I've got one or two questions. You can call 888-NEED-HIM. Let them help you. They're they're ready to do so. Alex, one more thing I want to say about Joseph. And uh, uh, notice what happened. He did not spare any expense in this burial. Notice, then he brought fine linen, took him down and wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Again, we finding that this was not something, okay, well, I just want to give him a decent burial. No, it was Joseph of Arimathea. You're just talking about, you know, taking courage and acting on that courage. We see that through his expense that he went through and he had to, this had to be his or someone he knew's tomb because it wasn't, you just didn't go out and, okay, I'll take that one. No, it had to have had planned and preparation. And this is what Joseph of Arimathea did. And so was he real, did he come lately? We don't know exactly when it was that he came to Christ, but he did come to Christ. And at this crucial moment, Alex I find Joseph of Arimathea uh, a hero that he could not stay quiet any longer if he had rem- if he stayed quiet. And in the other gospel, we found out a friend helped him. Let me see. Uh, a guy that came to see Jesus by night in John 3. and uh, Nicodemus? Yeah, and in John 10 when he spoke up at the Sanhedrin. Sound like these two guys. Isn't it interesting? Two guys <laughs> taking courage. One is good, but most of the time, have you noticed, uh, it's just two seems to be, yeah, they seem more courageous, don't they? Uh, Well, you know, the Bible says two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. And as Billy Graham said, one of my favorite quotes, now, you know, we we quote people (laughs) on on this show. Uh, Listen, you stay tuned to Exploring the Word. You're going to learn a lot of really, really good quotes. (laughs) Billy Graham said, courage is contagious. Yes. That's true. Folks, it really is. But I want to say this. Uh, in verse 46, they laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And 
Bert, if I get a little too spiritual here, you rein me in. But I want to tell you something. That stone rolled over the grave of Jesus. It would not stay there. <laughs> it, would, it would get rolled away real soon. And I want to tell you, nowadays they've tried to roll a few stones over the grave. Uh, maybe uh, the Bible isn't true anymore, says the skeptical world. Maybe the church is going to fizzle away and be gone. Uh, maybe America is going to, you know, die out and become socialist or something like that. We serve a God. Folks, aren't you glad? Our God specializes in rolling stones away. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it, listen, if you think, you know, the Lord couldn't love me, I've sinned too bad. Or, you know, I've, I've had so many bad years, there's no, no future for me. Our God specializes in rolling stones away. And today, you just call out, see, John eleven twenty five twenty six. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you need a fresh start, today is your day, if you'll turn to Jesus. You need life, you need hope, you need joy, you need just to have that peace that you can't seem to find. Let God roll away the stone and bring life into your heart and soul and every, every corner and like he says in John eleven twenty five twenty six, if you believe this, this is yours. Alex, well said. Now, I want to share this about that rock. It goes two ways, you know. that It may be blindness on your part that the stone is there, that you can't see what's really going on. And I, I've said it before, that rock was not rolled away when it was rolled away to let Jesus out because he had that glorified body he could walk through doors as he did he could go through that stone it was rolled away to let them in so these rocks that Mm -hmm. alex is talking about two-way in other words it's god wants that stone rolled away out of your life so you can get in on what god has for you god Mm. has a life for you that is beyond description uh stephen curtis chapman called it the great adventure and I, I agree with that, Alex. This is the greatest adventure I could have ever dreamed of. I didn't know what I was getting into when I was saved <laughs> as a 12-year-old boy. I just knew I was a sinner, lost, bound for hell. Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, rose again to give me life. As a 12-year-old boy on that Tuesday night in August in a revival, I received Christ as Savior of, of my life and he is my lord i haven't gotten over it yet it grows sweeter and sweeter every day so again i guess this is the evangelistic monday we've been looking for <laughs> for a while but I, I cannot encourage you that are listening to not don't put a day another day away alex said a moment ago that saying well i don't want to do it now i'll, I'll hear more later uh, that is still procrastination don't procrastinate your life away waiting. No, come to Christ today. Let him be Lord of your life today. I believe that centurion did, Alex. Did, you know, oh, I really, uh, yeah. he heard. Now, what did he do? He observed. He observed everything there was that was going on there on Calvary. He observed the darkness. He observed the things that was taking place, heard the words of Christ, how he received the thief on the cross, saying, today you will be with me in paradise. When he heard all that, his observation was that this is the very Son of God. And Mm. so we're encouraging you. Listen, just observe. I I, I would say, y'all, you don't believe that. You tell me that. Observe. Observe nature. Observe God's creation. Listen, if you read, I was reading in the book of Job today, Alex, and over there in the last part when God was talking to Job, all he did, he said, did you did you uh, tell the ocean it could go so far? Uh, did you put the land out there? No, you did not. Who did? It was God. So God Amen. is not only our creator, but he wants to even get closer to us. He wants to be our savior, our redeemer, doesn't he? He really does. The friend that sticks closer to, than a brother, and indeed, that's who God is. And if you if you want that friendship, he'll be yours as well. Well, we turn the page and we go over to Mark 16, the resurrection. I love this. Now, Mark 16, verse 1, it says, Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome 
brought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week. This was Sunday. All right, first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Bert, uh, hands down, most consequential, significant, most crucial morning in world history, and they're about to hear the most important news that would ever be announced. Look, folks, if if the world exists 10,000 years, there will never be a news report or a headline as consequential and, and as important as this one. What did that angel say? He said this, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you'll see him as he said to you. What a statement. Here, this angel had this message. Do not be, and let's put it in, I, I like the King James in this, don't be afraid. How many times are they going to hear that? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, he is who was crucified. I love that next line. Alex, he is risen. Do you, you remember yes. when the Scotland, Great Scotland Revival was going around, and that was the greeting, he is risen, and the response was, he is risen indeed. He is he, risen indeed. He Isn't is. That amazing? It is. I know it's after Easter, but I just want to tell you, we celebrate the resurrection every day because without it, there'd be no possibility of overcoming sin, but Jesus paid that price and he overcame sin and death, our greatest enemies, Alex. Well, you know, this is amazing. And folks, you know, one of the things I do traveling around, I I teach apologetics, which is the evidence for Christianity. And I got to say, centuries before Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, or Lee Strobel, the angel says what all of we apologists would later say, see the place where they laid him. The first evidence, the empty tomb. He is not here. He is risen. And by the way, to prove he's risen, there's going to be a lot of proof. He'll appear, uh, touch my hands and feet, Luke 24. But here's the first evidential, the, the first evidence, first evidential apologetic, the empty tomb. Hey, by the way, even the angels can do apologetics. Isn't that something? <laughs> Amen. Alex, Notice what it says, verse 8. And they went out quickly, fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone. They were afraid. Listen, it wasn't a horrible fear, but it was a fear that changes their life, trusting Christ. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. That number, 888-589-8840. Hi, I'm Kirby Anderson, president of Probe Ministries and host of the Point of View radio program. You've probably noticed that many young Christians leave the church after they graduate, but they don't have to graduate from God. That's why I want to invite your children and grandchildren to attend the Probe Mind Games camp in Texas. We prepare them for college and their entry into a world that will challenge their faith. This one-week camp includes lectures, role play, along with some great fun. It will take place June 18 to the 24th. Go to probe.org for more information. Jenna Ellis in the morning. You need to be very concerned about what your children are being exposed to if they go to a public school or even if they go to a Christian school. Parents are not just allowed, they have a constitutionally protected fundamental right that is God-given to direct the education, well-being, and faith options of their children. Jenna Ellis in the morning, weekdays at 7 Central on American Family Radio. Here's Bert Harper on the AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023. We are so determined to come alongside the church and to support pastors who share Christ with others, but also stand in the gap for righteousness. And Fishbowl will encourage that pastor to be that kind of a man. Bert and his wife, Jan, are hosting again this year with speakers Jeff and Debbie Shreve from Real Truth for Today. Every difficulty that comes into your life and my life, it's a test of faith. 
the stormy sea where Jesus is asleep in the boat. That's a test of their faith, and they didn't do very well. And so most of the time when we ask that question why, God's response is, my child, just trust me. The AFA Fishbowl Retreat 2023, September 26th through the 28th at the Riverbend Retreat Center in beautiful Glen Rose, Texas. Register at repairingthefoundations.net repairingthefoundations.net or call 662-844-5036 extension 297 Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. Tucker Carlson was surprisingly ousted from Fox News the Monday after he gave a rousing speech for the Heritage Foundation during which he argued the outdated binary political lens is woefully inadequate to confront the issues of our day. He stressed that abortion zealotry and the transgenderism movement are theological phenomena. Political rhetoric is insufficient to confront and defeat objective evil. Reports are swirling now that Carlson's spiritual talk made Rupert Murdoch, Fox Corporation CEO, uncomfortable. Is that why they fired their most popular host? Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex, and we're taking phone calls. We, uh, we love to take these phone calls, these Bible questions. And so, Alex, uh, I know we're ready. So where do we go to first? Larry in Illinois. Uh, Hello. Going up to Illinois. Yeah, welcome to Exploring the Word, Larry. Welcome. Hey, uh, thank you so much for taking my call. Yeah, good to have you. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. Uh, during the last segment, you uh, uh, and Bert were talking about uh, the uh, veil being rent in two from top to bottom. And uh, it's something that's always fascinated me. Just right outside that veil was the altar of incense, which represented the prayers of the saints going up. And I just like to think, you know, about that, look, that priest that was standing there ministering at the altar of incense well, all of a sudden he hears this sound, and that veil is split in two, and he's standing there in the presence of the Holy of Holies. <laughs> Imagine the shock yeah. to his system. But I'll bet you that priest got saved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo. Larry. Amen. Awesome. Good observation. It is. From top to bottom, I bet he looked up there to see if he could see. So It's got to be God. Uh, you know, if man was doing it, they'd be from the bottom up because that's where they could grab. I agree with you. There are times in the Bible, and this is one of them. Can you imagine being there when the, the sea opened, the, the, you know, and they were crossing the Red Sea? Can you imagine going through there? Uh, Alex, there's some times in the Bible it just had to be amazing to just Amen. be in that presence. Folks, uh, something else is going to uh, clave in two from top to bottom, and that's the eastern sky. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a word, if I could alliterate it. Uh, uh, there was torn a skein of cloth, but once the sky in the east, I mean, it's going to split in two, and Christ is going to return. Amen. And, you know, the old gospel singers used to sing songs like, um, I believe he's coming back, and, you know, what a beautiful day for the Lord to come again some of those old gospel songs, but but it's really true. Uh, Larry, thank you so much, and you're right, that priest at the at the laver, I'm sure he was shocked. But uh, going to Texas, Dana in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you, and y'all are on fire today, and I appreciate that. And uh, I just happened to be reading in Job today where he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, so I'm so grateful for that, and uh, I'm very grateful for y'all, and AFR, and I never want to take that for granted. But um, uh, thank you for letting me move into another book here with my question. I thought that in the past I had learned uh, in a Precepts Bible study class that there were two books, and I was kind of camped out in Revelation 20, and um, I know there's the Lamb's Book of Life, but 
could could you tell me uh, was I just dreaming that or is there also another book and if so what is it okay Dana thank you for your call Alex you have the book of life the lamb's book of life and then it also says the books were opened you know mm-hmm. so uh what are we looking at we're looking at God's records you know uh now I I you know I we have to put it in our language a book and writing their names down in the Lamb's book of life, you know. Uh, it's a beautiful thought. Is is there a difference in the book of life and the Lamb's book of life? Well, you know what? Uh, the Bible uses a lot of references to books. Ecclesiastes 12.14. Ecclesiastes 12.14 says, God will bring every deed into judgment, including every th- hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And, you know, I think about uh, the Bible talks about God's, quote, book of remembrance. So, Bert, let me just say this. Yes, there's the Lamb's book of life, those that are the redeemed, born again, faith in Jesus, call it what you will, the saved. But there's also, and I've got to believe, an omniscient God is a pretty astute record keeper. You know, when it talks about the books were opened, let me say this ought to drive you to your knees in prayerful acceptance of Jesus. My goodness, every word, every motive, every scheme, all every emotion. Um, I, look, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll say, God, there's a lot of things in... Well, here's another old gospel song. The old account was settled long ago. God's got a book, and, and your name has a page in it, an account. Either you're in sin or you're saved. And so shift over from that book of God's record-keeping to the book of It's All Under the Blood. I mean, that's the important thing, isn't it, Bert? It is. And and I would say this, Dana. uh, When you start trying, I I don't know how to say this, except just say it the way I'm thinking. When we try to be so precise, now we need to be precise about the Bible, as precise as we can. So what you do, you take difficult subjects, and there are some difficult subjects, and you interpret those with those that are less difficult and are obvious and are straightforward. And I, when you look at those books, the book that really matters, let me just say it this way, is the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name in that book? And, uh, Alex, some of those books that you're talking about and him observing, he desires for the Christian to give rewards and he yeah, may have oh, to yes. wait. He may have to wipe our tears away uh, because of what's in the books of those th- those rewards we could have gotten that we didn't get. He wanted to give us those rewards. He wanted us to have that crown, but we did not follow him like we should have. So mm. listen, make sure your name's in the book of life. Live for him, and that's what you do. And you live for his glory, not for self glory or gratification. You live for his glory. I want to tell you, that'll be a great day when we stand before him and he gives those rewards. Chuck in Arkansas. Chuck, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Is this Chuck from Arkansas? Yes, go ahead, brother. Yeah, listen, I want to make this quick. Uh, When Jesus was turned over to the Roman soldiers, they didn't ask him to go sit in the corner and be in time out for our, to pay for our sins. They tortured him and beat him unmercifully so that he would feel the pain for our sin. When he went to the cross, he paid for the greatest sin that ever happened. That was forsaken God. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they walked out with a smile on their face because they thought they were God since they had got a hold of that fruit. And that's the big sin is forsaking God. And Jesus had to feel that pain that God felt when those two walked out of the garden. They didn't ask to be forgiven. They didn't uh, say, God, we're sorry. Please forgive us us not to do it again. They walked out. And that's Mm -hmm. why Jesus had to feel that pain that God felt when that happened. Mm. Well, we know, Chuck, uh, good, good thoughts there. Uh, you know, whatever it took, and only it was in the, the heart of the Father, uh, known only to God, but um, disobedience to known truth, 
uh, stuff we shouldn't have done, but we did do, stuff we should have done, but, you know, sins of omission, commission, the whole dark ball of wax, he paid it all, didn't he, Bert? He really did. And let's go back to Adam and Eve. Jesus, God, he killed that animal, blood was was spilled, and then they were clothed with that those skins. Uh, now, again, we don't hear those words and uh, they had to walk out of that garden. God, you know, took them out, and he set that angel guard so they couldn't get into that tree of life. So, Alex, I agree with Chuck. Jesus Christ on that cross paid that price. He was the second Adam. What we lost in Adam, we gain in Christ when we trust him. That's the good news. Mm. And the best part of it, Chuck, is right, that relationship with him and remember, he did it every day. Every day, Adam and Eve, God would come walking, and they would have a great conversation with him, Alex. Uh, that And that's been restored. And so we can have that conversation with God daily, can't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to go to a Will in Virginia. Will, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, Bert and Alex, how are y'all doing? Doing well, Good. brother. Doing Good to well. have you. Hey, I was wondering, maybe the reason, and you guys could probably find the proof, uh, that Jesus had to be separated from the Father on the cross so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God. Does that sound about right? Well, I know that's true. (laughs) I know Mm -hmm. that, Alex. Now, how in the world to explain that fully, that we've tried? But uh, amen, amen, so Mm -hmm. that we could be brought to him. Uh, one of these days, Jesus is going to present us to the Father without without spot or blemish because we've Amen. been washed in the blood of Christ. Praise God. Oh, well, we've got a first-time caller in Louisiana, Brian. Uh, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I listen to you all every day. I'm a truck driver, so just appreciate what you all do. Amen. Well, we thank you for listening, my friend, and thanks for being a truck driver. Thank you, sir. Uh, I heard a response as far as the part where Jesus is on the cross and he cries out to his father. Now, being raised, I was always taught you do not question God, but Jesus never committed a sin, the perfect person, and yet he questions God. Is that God's way of showing us that it's okay to have questions? It's okay to question him? Brian, thank you. Listen, uh, I think... Some, we better ask some questions. Lord, why am I going through this? Because the Bible says, let me ask you this this way, Alex and Brian. Can you really examine yourself in the faith if you don't ask questions concerning yourself with God? Mm, that's a great question in, in itself, <laughs> you know. Um, you know I, I think we all have some questions. And let me say, um, it's it's not a sin to to seek deeper understanding. But there, there's a difference between seeking deeper understanding and questions in the spirit of rejection. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, so I, I don't think it's wrong at all to, to, to wonder and to be inquisitive. But, but then there is the realization that there are some things that, that are known only to God. And, and that's good because he's God and he's, he's bigger Stronger, Amen. more powerful than us. Amen, Brian. Um, Thank you. Go ahead. There, that, there are just awesome. some things we just don't understand. Uh, we don't. One day, one day, yeah. I believe we will. I really do. I, yeah. I look forward to that. Uh, Nikki in Arkansas. Nikki, thanks for holding. Welcome. Yes. Um, just uh, talking to my sister, and uh, we just wanted to do a Bible study, and we haven't started yet, but I uh, just wanted to get your take. Uh we want to do it on the difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression. Oh, wow. Just wanted to get uh, what y'all thought about that. Okay. Great and study. And I'm going to hang up and listen. Thank you, Nikki, for calling. I, I remember this, Alex. Let me start it, and I'll hand it to you because we want, we want to get to as many callers. Transgression, always remember that's similar to trespassing. Transgressing mm-hmm. is is going over the line, you know? Uh, it has that idea of going, stepping over the line. Uh, you could do that in any way, disobeying God, 
taking him uh, ass, uh, the sin of assum- assumption, assuming God, you know, will take yeah. jump from the pinnacle and God will take charge of you. You know, that's transgressing yeah. God's law. Go ahead. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, wh- whether we talk about sin or iniquity or transgression, there is the idea, and I'm sure you've heard preachers talk about it, missing the mark, falling short. And you might fall short uh, a little bit, you might think, or you might fall short a lot, but it's falling short. It's interesting, Bert, in the Hebrew and the Greek, there are a number of words that mean things, depending on how the word is constructed, it can mean like willful disobedience. It can mean rebellion. It can mean swerving from the path and almost like a carelessness, you know, like the sons of Eli treating the holy things as familiar. But either way, uh, regardless of the fact, it means guilt before God, guilt in light of known truth. And if we're honest, we've always, all of us have done one or more, if not most of these things. So praise God for the one, Romans 4 and Romans 5, 1, the one that will, by faith in Jesus, declare us as righteous. And we'll see if we can get another, uh, Susan, first time caller, we're going to try to get you in. Susan, thanks for holding. From Texas, welcome. Hi, um, thank you. Um, I My question is, could you give me your thoughts on um, the biblical meaning of the tree of life from Genesis? Um, is it a supernatural tree? How does it give eternal life if Adam and Eve were to eat of the fruit? Okay. Uh, now, listen, it was the tree of knowledge and evil that they partook of. And then that was the, that was the one that was forbidden. That was the limit. The tree of life, they were to partake of it, Alex. Uh, was it spiritual nourishment in it? Oh, well, you know, uh, presumably so. I mean, the tree of life would have perpetuated their existence. And I, and I think really um, part of the reason that God sequestered them away from the tree of life was an act of mercy. That, yeah. and, and, I mean, this is a little bit of speculation, but we, you know, so that they wouldn't be fixed in some irredeemable state. You know, Ezekiel 47 talks about the trees on the banks of the river of life are for the healing of the nations. Amen. Isn't that something? It is. And then Revelation 22 repeats that. So praise God, you get that tree of life by putting your faith in Jesus. Hey, I want to remind people very quickly, I'll be at The Cove July 7 through 9. You can go to the website, thecove.org. The theme is Thriving Till He Comes. Angie and I would love to see you at the Cove, July 7 through 9. Pray about coming to that. And if you go to the Cove, you'll not only get to hear and meet Alex and Angie, but listen, you'll be on one of the most precious grounds. You you drive up on it, and you, you really do sense the presence of God there. People will pray for you before you get there, so you would get a double blessing by going to the Cove, hearing Alex but also just being there and being with fellow believers. So, Alex, I hope it goes well. But we're going to be back tomorrow, and we're going to finish the book of Mark tomorrow. So tune in and listen. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.